Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How was your week? We we did a lot this week. Um Yeah, I got to we got to meet King Mala and see Upsal in concert. That was honestly top ten. It was like top five concerts I've ever been that's to. That's probably like that's probably one of my favorite ones I've ever been to. Mm. Yeah, the last two weeks for me has been insane because we had the Slipknot concert at Knotfest. We saw Crown the Empire, Ice Nine Kills, and Slipknot. That was fantastic. That was a great show. And then the immediate next day, I drove to Dallas for My Chemical Romance. Yeah, I bet that My Chemical Romance concert was cool. Oh, it was amazing. That that took my number one slot for best concert I've ever been to. And then Upsol definitely is probably like number two or number three. That was it was amazing. And King Mala is one of the nicest people. I loved her. She was so nice. It was amazing. Yeah. Yeah, that was probably I don't know, because Weezer was definitely like an amazing show. I really haven't been to any like bad shows. You also you saw Alice in Chains and Breaking Benjamin a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, I saw there's some other people in that lineup too that were really good. I just don't remember them. The only opener I remember from My Chemical Romance was The Midtown, and they were pretty good. I, I didn't get to hear their full set because we were outside in the merch line, but... For some reason, like, since you don't remember which all ones there were, I'm just fully expecting that Mayday Parade was in there. Because, <laughs> like, every sad bitch in seventh grade was listening to that shit. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, we, I, we me didn't too, catch me included. The, we didn't catch the first opener because we were trying to find parking. We got inside, nobody was performing. We were in the yeah. merch line when Midtown started, and we really couldn't hear. Oh, okay. So we heard, like, the last two songs, and they sounded pretty good. <laughs> so, yeah. Well. But, yeah. Okay, so that was our date. You ready to get into it? Yeah. Okay, you're going to have to correct me on how to say this, okay? Because there's an umlaut, and I have to make sure I say it right. Good. 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 Okay. I have to make sure because my my dialect and my accent in German is atrocious. I've been told, so <laughs> okay. So running on the stream of we're going to be covering things in Europe and Germany. I'm hoping your cryptid follows that. You, Mine you is from Prague. Okay, cool. You mentioned that last time, and I was looking forward to that one. Um, so I'm going to be going over the Goethe, right? Did I say that right? I guess so. Okay, Goethe murders in the we can group. look it up right now oh mm -hmm. yeah well i tried to look it up but i couldn't find like a pronunciation guide that i could follow what are we, um was it g umlau what h r d e good i was right you were good. right good okay so i'm going over the good murders in the good state forest which is in lower saxony uh, there were two double murders in the summer of 1989, which caused a sensation through Western Germany. So, the first double murder happened on May 21st, 1989. Ursula and Peter Reinold from Bergendorf drove to the Goethe to go for a walk there. And it is believed that the 45-year-old woman and her 51-year-old husband went to a glade in the hunt to sunbathe and have a picnic. Uh, they were killed on the spot, but were not left on the crime scene. The culprit took his victims to a nearby depression and hid them there. 
The victims were undressed, although it is unclear if they were undressed before or after the murder took place. Um, and the offender then stole the victim's picnic basket and took the car keys with their Honda Civic. Oh, man, those fucking Hondas. <laughs> I'd kill for a Honda, too. Yeah. Yeah, myself, yeah. <laughs> so That's with their nice. Honda, Honda, oh, Honda, Honda Civic. Honda Civic. The culprit escaped from the Goda and left the car 300 meters away from the train station in Vinzen on Delua, a small town on on the cusp of Hamburg, and the couple, in the meanwhile, had been reported missing. Only seven weeks later, on July 12th, 1989, three blueberry collectors discovered their bodies. Do we ever, what are the names of the victims, do we know? Uh, Ursula and Peter Reinold. Oh, okay. So they were significantly decomposed because at the time, Germany was dealing with a very gnarly prolonged heat wave. And the heat wave that had been happening, it was it was really dry for like all of the weeks that they were decomposing, which left the body. So the bodies weren't disturbed by rain. However, it was the, the heat greatly accelerated the body's decomposition uh, and they were largely skeletalized. Gross. <laughs> It was seven weeks that they weren't found? It was, yeah, seven weeks. Oh, okay. So they yeah. weren't found until seven weeks later by blueberry collectors who are unnamed. After the three blueberry collectors had discovered the two bodies, they went to the forester to let the police know. On the way, they met a brown-haired man, well-built, about 40 years old, with a bag on his hand. The criminal police assumed that this was the perpetrator who sought exactly on this day and this time more victims in the Goda. So... The exact cause of death couldn't be clarified because of the condition of the two corpses, neither at the crime scene nor during later autopsy. However, it was clear that it was not suicide or an accident and that a crime had occurred. Because of this, shooting, strangling, or slaying were possible causes. But again, they couldn't really tell because the bodies were too decomposed. Yeah. The, the husband, however, did have an injury to his larynx. However, it could not be determined whether it was strangulation characteristics or an injury from foraging, trampling wild boars. That's that sort of stuff. Uh, I feel like if it were wild boars, the, like the whole body would be. Yeah, that's what I thought. Because like some shits are big. They are. I, would... I, I don't know if the ones in Germany are much like the ones here in Texas. Well, the ones here in Texas the are. In Texas. They are not native. They're not? No. Oh, I didn't know that. Learn no. something new every day. Much like the great Longhorn, they <laughs> were brought here from across. Uh, um, good old Bessie. <laughs> yeah. So the second double murder happened on July 12th, 1989, the day of the discovery of the second murder. The 46-year-old housewife Ingrid Warmbler from Rosen... Hey, 1989 is when the Berlin Wall fell down. Yeah, it is. Man, <laughs> they were lucky to die in West Germany. Yeah. Uh, and a 43-year-old district manager of the Total Lodel Society burned Michael Kulping from Hanover, drove together to the Gurde. They were lovers who came after lunch from a nearby Bad Bevesen, Bevesen, Bevesen and apparently made a trip. Both were otherwise married, and their respective spouses did not know about their relationship. Taboo. What is a bevison? A, a, a near a bad bevison. 
from nearby Bad Bevison. Uh, so I'm assuming that's an area or some kind of location. I don't know because it didn't give me clarification. Oh. <laughs> um, they parked along the small side street near the, the Forsthaus Rothen and walked more than two kilometers into the forest. Near the forest section Hunt 138, they met the perpetrator who apparently threatened them with a firearm and tied their hands and feet partially with a leukoplast band. Both had to lie face down. The offender strangled the male victim and killed him with a headshot from a 5.6 millimeter small caliber weapon. The woman had her skull smashed and received a heavy chest injury. Her blouse was at the level of the bra and the bra was cut. Both of them were shot in the head. He then stole the male victim's Polaroid camera and the car keys to his Toyota Tercel, who, <laughs> with whom he escaped from the Gerda. The further investigation revealed that the perpetrator rode with this vehicle for about a week before he parked it in the vicinity of a spa clinic in Bad Bevinson. So yeah, I guess it's an area. So two weeks later, on July 27th, 1989, police officers from the requested police unit in the context of a nationwide search for clues discovered the victims of the second double murder by chance. The date of death could certainly be dated July 12th, the day that the police began their investigation on the first murdered couple. The scene was located 800 meters from the site of the first double murder. That's why they think that those blueberry pickers who ran into the that guy they were like oh you met the murderer right after he killed another set um according to the investigators reconstructions the perpetrator committed the second double murder at the time when the criminal police were at the scene for the first two victims and had begun their investigation subsequent tests revealed that despite the close range shots could not be heard because both sides of the bodies in the double in the first double murder and the scene of the second double murder so, wait, so they were in depressions in the ground? Mm-hmm. Yeah, both of them were in ditches, basically. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, so well, obviously there's some know. parallels. Ditch is not a weird place to find a body. <laughs> a forest? Nah. <laughs> so there's some parallels, obviously. The parallels between the two acts were that one mid- middle-aged couple was murdered each time and that the crime scenes were in the same forest area of a huge forest. In addition, the offender stole both cases' victims' conspicuous technical items, although the investigation was not classic robbery. The Wait, perp- how, um, mm-hmm. how far apart in time were these the two murders? The first murder, between the second murder, it's estimated seven weeks, because the second murder happened when they found the bodies of the first murder. Oh, did, oh, okay. So they're roughly seven weeks apart. Um, But the heat wave had passed by then, so they got a lot more context from the second bodies than they did the first. So he took their technical items, although it's not a robbery. The perpetrator took both victims' car keys to escape with their vehicles from the Goethe, leaving the vehicle, vehicle behind in small towns with railway connections. Both cities are located on the Hanover Hamburg Railway, and these parallels prompted the investigators to believe that the perpetrator was the same. It is believed that he got rid of the items he had taken after the two double murders generated an extraordinary interest. So the two double murders also had a significant consequence in the Goethe, as it frightened the entire region. Both in the press and on television, the state forest was designated dead woods. Walkers and day trippers avoided the forest for years following the murders. 
The police of Lower Saxony formed immediately after dis- the discovery of the first act a 40-member special commission with the detectives from the region of Lundberg. The special commission appealed 1,911 records and interviewed approximately 10,000 people. Jesus Christ, just as all four murders? Yeah. A facial composition was created and published for a reward of 50,000 marks. In December 1989, and again in January 1990, the case was broadcasted in the television program Aktenzeichen XY. Ungelost. But the wanted mailings did not lead to success. The perpetrator was characterized as a result of further investigations by police psychologists as brutal, aggressive, emotionally cold, a loner, sexually disturbed, mentally ill, choleric, overcorrect, and introverted. A lot of words. Um, so, so, so textbook psychopath, yeah. basically. Yeah, pretty much. Jeez. The investigators. Who's the person they do like case studies on. Yeah, it was like it's literally the textbook. Like, what is a sociopath? What is a psychopath? Yeah, it's like the difference, and they have like Dexter as a sociopath, and they have this guy on psychopath. <laughs> yeah. So the investigators. Like a diagram. The investigators assumed that he had been a non-smoker. That he because he could not divide <laughs> his own time and would not have missed a day from work. How could they tell that he was a non-smoker? I have no clue. That was just, like, in, like, all of the articles, they were, like, they said that he was not a smoker and that he couldn't divide his time and would not miss a day from work. And I was, like, how do you know this? Yeah, I mean... Because there wasn't cigarette butts all around the body? Like... I mean, that really does narrow it down, though, because I swear to God, like, people in Europe, like, I... Oh, they were everywhere. Everyone was smoking cigarettes. Everywhere. You looked weird if you weren't smoking a cigarette. Shout out also to the, the, the German guys who used their ID to help us get cigarettes that one time at the beer garden. Yeah. <laughs> they were real ones. Cool. Um, so, the examinations of a number of persons, for example, patients of the closed psychiatry who had an exit at the time of the crime, as well as the guests of pensions, hotels, and spas in the nearby Bad Beverson did not lead further. Likewise, the review of all vehicle owners to license plates was unsuccessful, which had been recorded in any way at the time of the authorities, which had been recorded in any way of the time of the authorities. I don't know why I wrote that sentence the way I did. Anyways, they they were record. Also, the later identified Kurt Werner Wickmann was checked. He was suspected due to his criminal record and was on sick leave at the time of the double murders. He also did not have to work at the time of the first murder on a Sunday. One witness saw him, but because he had worn glasses, he claimed that Wickman did not match the facial composition. Wait, because the suspect was wearing glasses? Yeah. So he, on the second murders, he had taken sick leave. On the first murder, he had the day off. And then they said, well, that couldn't be him. Like, they'd seen him, but they were like, that can't be him. He, he had glasses. So it didn't match the facial, the facial sketch that they came up with. <laughs> it's uh, amazing how, like, just a pair of glasses can really, like, yeah, change really, the way you look like. Like Clark Kent. L- yeah, really Clark Kenting over here. Clark, yeah. Clark Kenting over here. I can't talk. Okay. 
Uh, there was also a second suspect, which was the husband of the victim of the second double murder, who was a baker. It was theorized that he had hired someone to kill his unfaithful wife and lover, and that the hitman accidentally got the wrong couple first. Um, that didn't really hold, though, because there was more evidence against Kurt. So, the first clue. After a short time, there was a clue. In Wales, a similar double homicide had occurred in June 1989. The Dixon couple were on the Pembrokeshire coast path during a camping trip when they were shot at close range at Little Haven. The corpses were found off-road with the husband's hands tied behind his back. Witnesses had noticed a day before the double murders a 40-year-old man. His description was similar to the alleged Gouda murderer. And the witnesses also reported about a companion of, a tw of someone about 20 years of age with a German or Dutch accent. In the Gouda, police had found a Dutch coin near the first scene. Wait, what? <laughs> this was in Germany, right? Yeah. So, this, so, this, so first clue they... happened, this first clue happened in Wales. Was the oh, first, so okay. The, this clue I was going to say, like, doesn't everyone that lives in Germany have a German accent? <laughs> like, does that really, is that what narrows it down over there? Yeah, this happened before the first murder, and they were just now connecting it. So this happened in June, and then the murders happened in the Goethe Forest, and they were like, hey, didn't they find a, a Dutch coin? That's weird. And they went back, and in Wales, there was a murder that happened, and some guy happened to have a German slash Dutch accent and had an accomplice that matched the description of Kurt. Oh, okay. So both crime scenes in Germany and in Wales were near were each near a training ground for British troops. The investigation in Wales initially remained inconclusive until May 2009 when 64-year-old John Cooper was arrested. Cooper, also accused of a, of a double murder in 1985 and a rape in 1996, declared himself not guilty. The trial before the Swansea Crown Court ended after two months on May 26, 2011 with a guilty verdict in all charges and a life imprisonment sentence for Cooper. His appeal against the judgment was rejected last, inst last instance on November 1, 2012. No connection between the Gerda murders and Cooper has ever been made. So, um, so are the Gerda murders unsolved? Yes, they are unsolved. But ah. there is a the, the, the guy that I mentioned, Kurt, uh, which I will get into in just a minute after the second clue. Um, he is like the highest. They're like, we're 98% sure that he was the one who did it. But they just didn't have quite enough to convict him. And when he did get convicted for something separate, um, he killed himself in prison. Oh. So they weren't able to actually do anything about That's it. That's unfortunate. Yeah. I wish people would stop killing themselves in prison. It's, it's a real inconvenience. Like, it leaves a lot of... It really we does. Still Don't be questions. a coward. See it through. We still have questions. Like Yeah, you can stand to answer them. At least write them on your suicide note. Um, or so just, like... I don't know, because I would rather someone just, like, suffer in prison for a long time. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, you don't get to take the easy way out, dude. Yeah. So, the second clue. In 1993, a witness had heard a man threaten his wife with a quarrel that she should not forget about the Goethe murders and that she might feel the same way if she continues to cheat on him. The witness reported like, that... Like, she might feel like the... She might feel the like same. Like the dead bodies? Yeah. Oh, that's... That's a threat. 
Burn, I guess. <laughs> the witness reported their observations to the police. The first superficial review was promising because the suspect had firearms cards and a small caliber 5.6 millimeter weapon. With such a weapon, the male victim of the second double murder had been shot. In addition, the appearance of the suspected fit, like brown hair and size to the facial sketch. Finally, the suspect came from the area that had a local knowledge as a forester. The local knowledge was important to the crime in such a remote area. After several months of further investigations, the state's attorney successfully applied for a search warrant at the Amstgericht. Amstgericht? I almost mm-hmm. said that wrong. I corrected myself. Look at me. I'm learning. Um, hours. It was hours long interrogations and of the suspect and his wife, but it did not lead to success as there was no incriminating circumstances. On the contrary, the suspect had an alibi for the second double murder with which the trek was lost. The investigation and accusations against him in 1995 bothered the man greatly, and in 2005, he killed himself. That was the second guy? Yeah, that was the second guy. So we have two guys that killed themselves? Mm-hmm. But he wasn't the huh. one that did it. They just were like, hmm, you like seem pretty threatening. Suspect. Yeah, he was a suspect. And he's still, like, that's sus. That is sus. <laughs> so there was some further development. The special commission was later dissolved and because it didn't find the culprit. And the head of the special commission retired in 1997. After that, only two detectives from the former special commission sporadically worked on the case. Namely, an investigator from Luchau and an investigator from Lundberg. In 2009, only the detective from Lundberg was incidentally entrusted with the case in such a way as to occasionally follow up on hints. Hints did happen. In July 2009, there was another possibly last investigation approach after two hairs were secured in the vehicle of one of the victim's pairs, the Reynolds, the first victims, which were neither assigned to the victim nor the environment. So it wasn't the victims. It wasn't local to the environment. It was something of its own. So the criminal polizai now wanted to isolate DNA patterns from the two hairs with the help of the now advanced DNA analysis methods and compare them with the data stored in the federal criminal police office. The problem of DNA analysis was that the DNA, the DNA pattern was old, failed, and rootless hairs can only be completely isolated with a 60% chance of probability of it being successful. So the criminal investigation was still on the assumption that the two hairs were suitable to identify the perpetrators. In 2014, however, it was stated that the case would not be reopened to capacity reasons. In June 2017, it was announced that there was a DNA trace result from the crime scene of the murder case from from a 2015 case in Hanover. However, because of another murder... And the conviction of a 27-year-old man named Leggert, no traces were confirmed. So. They've been uh, working on this shit for a while. They have been. Uh, and an answer would come later. So there were a lot of links between the Goethe murders and the murder of Birgit Meyer. Decisive evidence for the identification of the perpetrator of the Goethe murder emerged from a case of the disappearance of 41-year-old Birgit Meyer from Lundberg. She disappeared without a trace in 1989, shortly after she separated from her husband, and the police suspected murder. 
On the day of her disappearance, which was May 15th, 1989, she had a notary appointment for the sale of her house in Britlingen. 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 Yes. And had been happy the day before with her mother on the phone about being able to move soon. First, suicide or the husband was suspected, but later investigations on the Lernburg Friedhofsgate focused on Kurt Werner Wickman, whom the disappearance had previously met at a party. So she had met hmm. him at a party before, according to the ex-husband's statements. He had previously done gardening work for the mayor's neighbors, and as early as 1989, there were suspicions against Wickman in the case of Birgit Meyer, and he was interrogated, but his alleged alibi was not examined close enough. He concealed the fact that he was on sick leave at the time of Meyer's disappearance, and the police did not research thoroughly. Only with the establishment of a new prosecutor in Lernberg, further investigations got going. In 1993, charges of the murder of Mayer were brought against the gardener, and the police raided his house. The investigators, who found two small-caliber rifles, a converted gas pistol, stun guns, a muffler, handcuffs, sedatives, and sleeping pills, including a secret soundproof torture room that only he and his brother were allowed to enter. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. A torture room? A torture room for him and his brother. <laughs> the face you're making. <laughs> Oh, you look disgusted and concerned. <laughs> Torture rooms are like the, like, I hate hearing about them. They're so, it's so gross to, like, think about. It's like, like the toy box killer. Oh, yeah. Like, that guy had a whole ass trailer house for that. No, but like torture, torture rooms and shit like that. Like I just hate hearing about them. Like, <laughs> like the women that have been locked in basements. Like anything like that. It's I consider that a torture room. That's oh, yeah. I mean, basically, that's sensory torture. That's so. awful. So yeah, so he had a secret soundproof torture room that only he and his brother were allowed to enter. Oh. oh. <laughs> there was a buried, a buried. A buried bright red Ford Sports Coupe in the backyard with blood on the back seat. The body tracking dogs struck several times, but no bodies were actually found on the premises. So, Kurt Werner Wickman had fled from the search, actually. He was arrested in Hesse, or Hesse, Hesse. He was arrested in Hesse when he was involved in a traffic accident and weapons were found in his vehicle. In the vehicle was his 10 years younger brother who had a close relationship with him and was dominated, dominated by Wickman. 10 days after so, his arrest... Wait, was his brother alive or dead? His brother was alive. Oh, okay. So 10 days after his arrest, the 43-year-old hung himself in prison. Uh, th is that a third suicide for no, this? No, that's the second. That's the second. That was the guy that I said that they highly suspected him, but they couldn't question him about the Goethe murders because he killed himself on a separate... Oh, I thought I thought you were talking about a third suspect right here, and I was like, this is... My bad. I needed to clean up my notes more, I guess. Um, no, yeah. So he was the one that they highly... They were like, they're like 98% sure he was the Goethe murder. Mm -hmm. But because he killed himself with the Brigitte Meyer, they, they couldn't actually confirm anything. Which is really annoying. Um, but yeah, so after his death, the murders suddenly stopped. 
and further investigations against him were discontinued because, you know, he's dead. You're not going to get much else, much else out of him at that point. Do you know if there was ever any evidence of, like, in that second murder that they were murdered on the spot, or were they... It's... Did it ever say if they, like... It seemed like they were murdered on the spot. Oh. It didn't say exactly, like, what evidence there was, but considering that it was only 800 meters away from the first murder... I, and there was investigations happening at the first murder at the exact time that the second murder happened. Mm-hmm. I, I don't... He he would be really ballsy if he tried to move a body at that point. Like, well, I just asked because he had a torture chamber thing. So, like, if... Um, you would think that, that he would have murdered them there and then moved the bodies. You would think so. Unless he, like, tortured them and then, like, had them drive him out there. That's some sadistic shit if that's the case but it doesn't it doesn't seem like it i think the the torture room was probably more for separate victims like brigitte so or brigitte not brigitte brigitte meyer that's the girl that i was just talking about this is how they connected kurt to the Goethe murders was because of the disappearance of brigitte meyer because Um, where did she disappear from she disappeared i want to hear more about her story (laughs) Uh, she disappeared from Lewenburg. Oh, okay. So she just literally up and vanished. And they did investigations and went into a bunch of different stuff. And that's how they found Kurt. Hmm. That's how they found... Found? Found. That's how they found Kurt Werner Wickman. And... They got into all of his stuff, and that's when they were like, oh, wait, this guy probably was the Goethe murderer. But they yeah. can't confirm anything. Um, there was a private investigation launched, actually, about the Goethe murders. The investigation of the Goethe murders uh, was resumed due to the initiative of the brother of the disappeared Birgit Meyer. So that's how hmm. they're coming together here. So so they, like, for sure knew that she was a part of that? Her case was separate, but it happened, like, right before the Gerda murders happened, so they yeah. think that she was the prototype. Like, in, in criminal like, investigations, like... What similarities are there in her disappearance and the murders, is what I'm wondering. There... I might get into that. We'll see. Um, because the majority of it was just the fact that there was a connection between them all, which was... The connection was Kurt. Not necessarily in, like, how they were murdered, just like they all knew him? Yeah. They all knew him, and he was, on all of the days of the murders, he didn't have an alibi. So they all well, came oh, together. Okay. And then they searched his house because they were like, well, that's weird. How were you were involved in all three somehow? Mm-hmm. All three, you don't have an alibi for the days of the murder. We're going to do an investigation. They go into his house, and they find all that crazy shit. Yeah. So they were like, ah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so... So the investigations of the Goethe murders were resumed due to the initiative of the brother of Birgit Meyer, and he was the retired former chief of police for the state criminal police of Hamburg, Wolfgang Silov. That's his name. That's the brother. Mm-hmm. He continued his education in 2002 after retirement in self-direction. For this, he formed his own team with the head of forensic medicine in Hamburg, Klaus Püschel, the defense lawyer, Gerard Strat, and other professionals that weren't named. I guess they weren't as important. 
In 2013, Seeloff found during a search in a room belonging to Vickman videotapes from the Octan Zoctan XY's episodes on the Gerda murders and newspapers clipping, clippings related to it. In addition, he was able to make a new special commission set up from the police in Lundberg in 2015, which investigated the case of Birgit Meyer. In 2016, handcuffs were found at Wickman's house and in the Hanover Medical School was investigated. On them was a trail was a trail of blood that showed a DNA match with the missing persons. Seeloff also received permission from the new owner of Vickman's former garage in Bardovic to carry out excavations there. Vickman's house had been searched in 1993 by the Lundberg police several times in vain, once even with the sniffer dogs, like I mentioned, and they didn't find anything. But according to the presumptions of investigators, Vickman wanted to kidnap Meyer to extort money from her husband, but failed. That's what they think, at least. So, the identification of the offender. So he wanted to kidnap a woman who was being divorced to get money Yeah, to extort her. To, to get money from her ex-husband. Yeah. There was a, a solid that, investigation that, where they thought that he killed her because it was going to be cheaper to kill her than to have her divorce him. That's what I'm. That's what I was thinking. I was like, what, what, why would you kidnap a divorcee to try to get her ex-husband to pay for her? Like, if the relationship was bad enough, dude could have been like, mm, no, nah. thank you. <laughs> you could have been you like, nah. actually like saved me from some court hearings. So like, shout out to you. Yeah. So. The identification of the offender, how they came around to the fact that they're like 98% sure that it's him. So in December 2017, 28 years after the killings, the police of Lower Saxony announced that they considered the former cemetery gardener, Kurt Weiner Wickman, for the Kurt, for the Goethe murders for, pro, for probable cause. I'm going to restart that sentence. Mm-hmm. In December 2017, 28 years after the killings, the police of Lower Saxony announced that they considered the former cemetery gardener Kurt Werner Wickman for the Goethe murders for probable cause and that an investigation was established. In one of the stolen victim's vehicles, a DNA trace of Wickman was found. According to police, that this, this was a new lead and not over the years of examined hair. The police assumed that there was an accomplice who may have committed other crimes, the essential clue for the second person involved in the case is derived from the fact that Kurt, Kurt Werner Wickman had driven into the Goethe with his own motor vehicle, but returned with the vehicle of the murdered and not his. I mean, so where did his that go? Is, I mean, uh, just the fact that he has someone who was murdered cars. <laughs> Shouldn't that be like, not like where is his, his car is like, how did he get that car? Yeah. <laughs> I would be more concerned about where that car came from than where the car went, where the other car went. According to Seeloff's findings, there were 21 unsolved murder cases in Lundberg in the surrounding areas, which could have been attributed to Vickman by the perpetrator profile and their respective whereabouts. That's what the torture room was for, was all of those disappearances and unsolved cases. Um, Actually, I I can't confirm that. That's just a speculation. (laughs) So, so this is basically like Jeremy's own toy box killer. Yeah, pretty much. So, 
after so possibly according to the fucking disappearances. Yeah, twenty one at cold one cases. time, like yeah, in 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 one area over like a course of time. Do you what was the course of time? I don't have that. Just like oh, it was just that there was. According to CLAS findings, there were 21 unsolved murder cases in Lundberg and the surrounding areas at, like, in this general time frame between Brigitte or Birgit disappearing and the Gura murders. And, like, the years before that and the years following. That's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. So, possibly, according to the assessments of the police, Wickman committed the murders in other areas on his account. Thus, after his release in 1975, he spent three years in Karlsruhe, where he lived with an elderly woman who he whom he had met through a personal ad during detention. We need to stop. Someone else has a thing. Okay. Thing. Thing. Okay. In December 2017, uh-huh. 28 years after the killings at Gouda, uh-huh. uh, in <laughs> the police in Lower Saxony announced that they considered the former cemetery gardener Kurt Viner Vickman for the Goethe murders for probable cause and that an investigation was established. In one of the stolen victim's vehicles, a DNA trace of Wickman was found, and according to police, this was a new lead and not over the years examined hair. So it was just sort of there. It wasn't examined. Uh, the pollute The police? <laughs> the police. The police assumed that there was an accomplice who may have committed other crimes. The essential clue for a second person involved in the case is derived from the fact that Kurt Viner Vickman had driven into the Goda with his own motor vehicle, but returned with the vehicle of the murdered. It is unclear if anybody brought back... <laughs> I know, that's what Why I said. Why would you do that? It's supposed to be the other way around, right? Right. It's like you bring if your you, own car, you should leave in your own car. Yeah, if you murder someone, you get rid of their car. This is not like, this is not a home auto deal or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is how you get a new car. You murder a family and you steal their car. That makes no sense. <laughs> and you make sure your buddy's with you to drive your car back. Don't have to pay a dime. Yeah, it's unclear if anybody brought back his own car, though. According to Seeloff's findings, there were 21 unsolved murder cases in Lewenberg and the surrounding areas, which could be attributed to Wickman by the perpetrator profile and their respective whereabouts. That's a lot of unsolved murder cases. 21? 21. In one area, yeah, that's a shit ton. Yeah. So, possibly, according to the assessments of the police, Wickman committed murders in other areas on his account. Thus, after his release in 1975, he spent three years in Karlsruhe, where he lived with an elderly woman who he had met through a personal ad during detention. During this time, there were several unsolved murders of hitchhikers in Karlsruhe. (laughs) Wickman was very mobile and had five cars. He had five cars? He had five cars, and he apparently still needed more. Um, I have a question. Mm-hmm. Were, were all of those cars recently deceased people's cars? Did they ever look into the ownership of those cars? I don't think they did. They should have. <laughs> so why do you have five cars? Where did what these if, come what from? What if he was a serial killer and that was his trophy? <laughs> so I think he was a serial killer. Car. And his stupid trophies was taking the victim's cars. Man, what did he take if they didn't have a car? 
what did he take? Yeah, I'm like, what would you take in that instance? If your trophy is a car and you kill someone who doesn't have a car. You just don't kill them. Yeah. <laughs> so, on January 19th, 2018, so this is a, a recent, yeah, 2018, this is a recent development. It was announced by the Hanover Medical School that Birgit Meyer had been shot. So the girl that led them to Kurt, uh-huh. there was a new development. They figured out that she was shot. And the Lurenberg police president, Robert Cruz, said that it could have been a serial killer who had killed abroad. He announced a thorough review of old cases and without question pointing Wickman as the perpetrator. So he was like, no, yeah, it was this guy, right? As a result, analysis from the State Criminal Police Office of Lower Saxony have filtered 24 unclarified acts, in particular homicides and missing persons. In February 2018, the case was again featured in Aktenzeichen XY Ungelost on television as the investigators emanate from an accomplice, helper, or at least a mitwisser. I have no clue what mitwisser means. I should have looked that up before this. A mitwisser? Mm-hmm. Mitwisser. With knowledge? A knowledgeable person? A knowledgeable person? Some, an, like somebody who knew that it was happening, I guess. That's what I would think so. So, in 2018, the police... Oh, yeah. <laughs> you'll look it up. Okay, cool. In 2018, the police and 30 detectives using sniffer dogs and metal detectors searched the Vickman's former house and grounds for more than two weeks. Oh, no, it just flew to the very top of the article. Yeah, we were right. An accessory. An accessory. It's an accessory to the crime. <laughs> so, yeah, a person with knowledge. Yeah. German is so fucking fun, guys. Uh, it really is. It's the best language. You know what my favorite fucking German word is? What's your favorite fucking, fucking German Flugzeug. word? Flugzeug. Flugzeug. A flying thing. thing. Flying Germans thing. had no fucking word for airplane, and so they were like, you know what? That that shit flies. <laughs> that thing flies. Yeah, Let's just call like, it a That's flying a thing. thing. That flies. <laughs> Personally, my favorite is. <laughs> Personally, my favorite German word is is Krankenschwester. The sick nurse. The suffer sick sister. S- suffer sister. Like, that sounds like some sick shit. Like, it doesn't even sound like they're helping you. It just sounds like they're watching you suffer. <laughs> it really does. And the best part is you tack that onto the other parts. Krankenwagen. It's a suffer yeah. wagon. Krankenhaus. A suffer house. They're not wrong. They're so accurate, and I love it. I love how literal German is. A with-knowledger. A with-knowledger. With Mitzvisa. That's your German word of the day, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> okay. Where was I? I lost my I lost my place. I have no idea where you were. Oh, so okay, it, okay. Mitzvisser. You were there. Mitzvisser. Okay. That's where you were. So, in 2018, the police and 30 detectives using sniffer dogs and metal detectors searched Vickman's former house and grounds for more than two weeks. Approximately 400 items were secured. 400? 400. Like interesting things? I guess they were interesting because they secured them. They were like, oh, we'll mm. take that in for note. Mm. Uh, which are investigated, are being investigated by the State Office of Criminal Investigations of Lower Saxony on connections with other murders. These include a Polaroid camera and binoculars which may have belonged to the murdered Reynolds. 
the victims that started the Gerda murders. So they're still, they're still... Yeah, they're still investigating it. Wow. Because they got, once they figured out what happened to to Brigitte Meyer and they had the connection that it was between her and Kurt, they were able to look more into his stuff. And that's how they've connected that he's a part of the Gerda murders. Um, some media for thought. Uh, there's a Netflix documentary called Dig Deeper, The Disappearance of Birgit Meyer. I saw that. I was wondering if that was the same thing. Yeah, it is. But I watched it all in German, so I didn't really understand a lot of it. I, I have to highly recommend it. it. I highly recommend does it. it. Does it have um, Does it have English... Is it, does it, it has is it English, dubbed in English? It no? doesn't. It's not dubbed in English, but Fuck. they have English subtitles. I like I like watching things in English, but with German subtitles. Mm-hmm. I switched Genshin Impact to German, and let me tell you, oh my god, <laughs> it's actually been really helpful. But there's parts where you're the traveler and you have to respond to people, and I'm suddenly playing translator. Like, what the hell is that option? I um. I'm just hoping that it sounds okay. <laughs> Dude, in Genshin today, I fucking... You know that level that I've been having trouble with for a really long time? Oh, with the two abyss mages and the ruin guard? Yeah, I fucking beat it. You'll never Yo. guess who was in my fucking loadout. Cookie. Yeah, but I didn't even use her. <laughs> who was in your loadout? I only used two of them. I only used two fucking characters. Which characters did you use? Fucking Barbara and Amber. <laughs> They're the DPS ones that Barbara, did it. baby. And I was like, bro, what the fuck is this? Like, and then like Chang Young was in there a little bit, but it was mostly Barbara and Amber kicking ass. And I was like, <laughs> I've even done that before. I was like, I don't know what's different because I haven't even leveled them up that much. It was just everything fell together at the same just... at the right time. <laughs> May Barbados forgive you, but I will not, yeah, Barbara. <laughs> it was so whack. I love Barbara. DPS Barb. I got Mona the other day, and I'm building her to be a DPS instead of a sub. And my brother and Hunter both were like, oh no. And I was like, let there be chaos. I um, I switched up all... So every now and then, I like to like really take a good like three hours and switch up all of my artifacts Yeah. on Genshin. Just to see what it does to the characters. <laughs> yeah, I do that too. And I think I gave Barbara... Like, either the instructor or the... No, I think I gave her the lucky dog. And I feel like that really, like, that did something to her. I switched off all of Barb's Maiden Beloveds onto Kuki because I have her in my party as my main healer at the moment. And let me tell you, her healing, she's, like, clocking 5,000. I have Kuki leveled for um, the Exile. Mm. And even then, her healing is still pretty badass. Her base healing is badass. She mm-hmm. heals like a thousand just at base. Yeah. I only have her leveled at like 50 right now too because I don't want to go fight the Ruined Serpent for more pieces for her. I only have her at 20 because I just got her yesterday. You did, and I love Kuki. Kuki is great. Kuki Shinobu, the real leader of the Arataki gang. But, yeah. So, you know Dig Deeper. Definitely watch it. Anybody who's listening, definitely watch it because it's it's a really interesting documentary. Um, also, German TV, Das Erste, has screened an award-winning 2020 miniseries called Das Geheimnis der Todwalders, which is the mystery of the Death Forest, because that's the nickname for the Gerda Forest, is the Death Forest, uh, released internationally as Dark Woods. Mm-hmm. 
And it's based on the murders and replays three documentaries called Ice Cut the Spur, Die Gödemorde, und Die Verwundene Frau. The Cold Trace, basically, the Cold Frau. Um, the Gerda Murders and The Lost Woman, both the fictional and documentary information that's that's all according to German law and the death of a suspect close to the investigation. And it, it just, that, that television series itself, I watched like the first half of it when I was prepping up for this, and it goes into really heavy detail about like what exactly happened in the murder. Which was interesting considering Germany usually likes to stay on the DL about that, but not when it comes to stuff like this. It was like a threat. And I appreciate that. <laughs> Germany actually goes very into detail about a lot of things like that. I just figured because of the censorship laws. Like, when I went into it, I was like, oh, it's not going to get too censorship gory. censorship laws are not like ours. Yeah. They're a lot looser, actually. Actually, a lot of European countries are a lot looser, except for their paparazzi. Mm. So, like, it's really, it's honestly kind of weird. That Yeah, that is weird. But, yeah. That's the good of murders. So it's actually, technically it's a cold case, but since it was recently launched in 2018 and it's still under reinvestigation, mm-hmm. maybe there will be new developments one day. Yeah, maybe we'll see what's going on there. Maybe they'll be able to confirm that it was Kurt, although I basically like all the police are like, no. Nah, like, like, they found, yeah, they found two of the items that were missing. something damning enough to take them to trial. I, I feel like finding the, system works the Polaroid and the binoculars from the first murder. You would think that that would be good enough, but yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm not a criminology major. I, I don't, don't know. know how the laws would be in Germany. Yeah, I don't know, but yeah. So that was the good murders. Interesting. Him and his five cars. Who killed himself? I'm fairly certain that those cars were dead people's cars. <laughs> Probably. I'm gonna stick to that. Those were dead people's cars. <laughs> but, um... Okay. But, yeah. Well... Now it's your also, turn. I know on the, the last episode that I edited, I totally forgot to edit out the part where I got a Discord call in the middle of recording, and I yeah, had already I uploaded that, it, and, and I was like, like, oh, shit. I heard that, and I was like, what the did she leave that in there for? I didn't mean to. I had, like, marked it to go back to it because I was going through. I was already, like, really deep in a different part. And I, I was like, it's not going to take anything to take that out. And then I totally forgot. And I uploaded. Just hope your brother hasn't heard it because we were talking some mad shit about <laughs> him in there. He doesn't listen to podcasts, thank God. He doesn't do anything that, that I'm interested in. That would be so fucking funny, though. Oh, for real. Be bad for you. I do <laughs> But I think afterward, you would think it was really funny. I would think that it was hilarious. Okay. So it's your turn with the cryptid this week. What you got for yes. us? Yes. Um, so this one's kind of short. I got as much info as I could, but it was kind of hard. But he's a fun guy. He's a fun guy. Is he a, like a corn fire demon? He might be a demon. Oh. Love that. Yeah. Um. So... I'm doing it on the Czechoslovakian Perak. Perak. Also known as Springer or the Spring Man. <laughs> the Spring Man. He is similar to England's Spring Heeled Jack. I think we need to do an episode on why everyone in England is named Jack. Just like have a long conversation Jack about it. Jack the Ripper. Jack and Jill went up the hill. <laughs> Spring Heeled Jack. 
There are so many Jacks. There are a lot of Jacks. I was going to say Jack and the Giant Peach, but it's James. <laughs> Jack in the Box. <laughs> I don't know if that has any correlation. American. I have no idea. I didn't have one of those growing up. I played with it at Cracker Barrel, and those then I would put it down and walk. Those things scare the shit out of me. <laughs> they no. still do. I fucking hate those things. Before you get into it, can I talk about the one point in the It series where it fucking got me? The jump scare got me? Okay, it was that was stu- a very good jump scare, though, because you knew it was coming. You knew it was coming the whole time. That little box was going do 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 and then... He just, like, came out, and it was the most terrifying thing ever, like... It was, and that was, like, the most annoying part about it. It was the only part in the entire movie that I physically jumped, because jump scares don't get me. You can always tell when they're about to happen. Does the music get quiet? Does boss music start playing? Like, is, is are you only getting one singular pan, and it's slowly turning to the side? Like, the, jump scares are easy to predict. You I... know when they're going to happen. And I knew that when I was like, oh, it's going to jump out. And I was like, and he's probably going to, like, rush at you, whatever. But what got me was the fact that it stopped. And it stopped for, like, half a beat longer than I thought it was going to. And that half a beat was just enough to confuse me to where it actually scared me. Yeah. And I was pissed for the rest of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> that the fucking jack-in-the-box is what got I think me. those are the best jump scare. Like, if you're going to do a jump scare, make sure you actually make it, like, about the scare and not the jump. Yeah. Like, the Blair Witch Project, the newer oh, one, love that. it sucked because I fucking hated it. I hated both of them, honestly, because, like, it's nothing but jump scares. Like, I love the OG, like they're but it's the definitely corner, one of... Like, oh, no, and it's all quiet, and they turn around, and she's right there. Yeah, that's it's what so I mean. Boring. That's, that's what so I mean stupid. by jump scares are so easy to predict. Like, like I, like, I loved the new... People might hate it, but I loved the newer Halloween series... Oh, the Halloween because is just... they really fucked you up with those fa- faked-out jump scares. Mm-hmm. The movie didn't have a single jump scare, but it hyped you up so much. It prepared you for one, and then it didn't happen, yeah, and your adrenaline honestly, is like, oh my god. it's even worse. Like, that fills you up with some, like, kind of dread and suspense, and, like... You're on edge the entire movie, because you're like, is this gonna be one? And then it doesn't happen, and you're like, fuck. And then, like, in the newer one, he, like, goes into the baby room, he stares at it, and you're like, oh shit, he's gonna kill the fucking baby. <laughs> kill the fucking baby and you're like oh my god but then you're still stressed the fuck out because you're like he just killed the fucking like babysitter and all this shit and you're like he almost killed the fucking baby like what if he did kill the fucking baby (laughs) and it's all about the fucking baby for the next five minutes till he kills another person and then he kills that weird kid who was hitting on his niece thing niece thing like Dude, it was brutal. Like, you oh, did yeah. a great job on that. Just for explanation, I say I love the Blair Witch Project. I don't love it as a horror movie. I love it as a comedy. That I shit like, makes me laugh every single see, time. And the thing is, I love found footage horror movies. Mm-hmm. Like, I love them so much. Like, whenever I was little, I was watching that Lost Tape shit on Animal Planet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I still, honestly, still to this day, that's one of the most horrifying things I've seen is, like, a couple of those episodes are pretty fucked up. Like, they really, like, the Sasquatch mm-hmm. episode. Oh, my God, that was fucking terrifying. <laughs> this woman's out in the woods all by herself, and the Sasquatch has a crush on her, and she's getting onto this poacher and shit, and he threatens her, and guess what she finds in the middle of the night? Outside her fucking cabin in the middle of nowhere. The dead poacher hanging from the tree. That's terrifying. <laughs> 
And she's hearing all the screaming. And then there was the Oklahoma octopus. And I lived in Oklahoma whenever I was watching that. <laughs> I was so scared to go into those lakes. I'm still, I hate, I've, I watch so much River Monsters. I do not want to go into any water I can't see the bottom of. <laughs> so you don't want to go into the ocean? No. <laughs> I hate the ocean. It's, yeah, that's terrible. Like I mean, it's fair. It's terrifying. That much. Unless I'm getting drunk there, I don't want to be there. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, fair. That's fair. Where were we? You had just started. You I said really it. did. You said okay. the name of it. So, um, the name Perot uh, is actually derived from a Czech word, uh, Perot, meaning spring. And so the Perak is supposed to be a humanoid entity reported in the city of Prague during the German occupation of Czechoslovakia during World War II. Uh, the being was usually depicted as a somewhat spectral man dressed in all black and wearing a strange mask with shiny red eyes. Did you ever see or read Hellboy? Yes. Okay, so in the first movie, he's not really a big thing in the novel, in the comic book, but in the movie, in the first one, there's this German air guy thing. Mm-hmm. Like, a zo- like He basically is kind of like a zombie thing. He's a, an assassination, he's an assassin meant to kill Hellboy, and he has like little knives coming out, blades yeah. coming out of his sleeves. <laughs> yeah, I know who you're talking He's got he's the got fucking like the assassin blades shit on his yeah, wrist. Yeah, he's got yeah. a gas mask and, like, all leather, and if you, like, poke a hole in his little, like, thing, he, like, starts screaming. He looks like the next installment of, Insa- of Assassin's Creed. Assassin's Creed World War Two. Oh, he honestly looks way horrible. He looks like the boss. Oh, yeah, the, he does. The, like... I mean, basically everyone in that, but that's the point. But, like, he looks like the boss battle. But, like, that's that's kind of what the Paradox looks like. At oh, least to okay. me it does. Which is kind of funny because <laughs> um, his name was Carl Cronin. And he actually was from World War II. Like, Hellboy is based around World War II. So I wonder mm-hmm. if there's, like, a connection in that. <laughs> um, like a subtle inspiration. Yeah. Uh, so at first, Paradox was considered a menacing demonic figure to be feared. Um, early versions of the story included the apparition scaring, chasing, and terrorizing innocent people, like in the streets. And there are even stories of him killing or raping people. Ugh. And around this time, people were would avoid going out at night, and they would refuse to work night shifts at weapon factories uh, for the Nazi army, so... Like, they refused so much to the extent that their refusals actually hindered the Nazi arms production. <laughs> I'm sure they loved that. This is like some extraordinary gentleman shit. This is. Have you ever seen that movie? I have. Oh, I love that movie. <laughs> love that movie. Everyone go watch it. It's an old ass movie, but I love it so much. <laughs> I think it was made in like 2002 or something. So the image of the, he's a boogeyman. The image of him began to change when word began to spread that the Perak was now turning his attention to the German occupying forces 
and he would sabotage their equipment and leap from the shadows to slit their throats before bounding away. Before bounding away. Like, yeah, they said bounding. Like, that was bounding the actual away. word. I don't know. Like, boing, boing, boing. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. What was like, like a fucking but, slinky? I mean, like it, He is the spring. <gasps> that's where the spring comes from. He the bounces. Springer man. <laughs> kind of weird. The lights just went off. The lights went off in the room next to us that we can see into. I don't like that there's a window. I don't like looking. that there was a guy sitting there the whole time. Yeah. I don't like that there's a window that sees right into one of the other rooms. So there was some dude chilling on the computer watching us record this. Whatever. Okay, <laughs> so he, he bounded away. <laughs> yeah, in decades following the war, he became portrayed as a Czech superhero. In oral, tradi- oral tradition suggests that Perak could leap to extraordinary magnitudes, like, like some stories were of him jumping over train carriages. And he was uh, possibly associated with the Razor Blade Man. The Razor Blade Man? man, This man needs his own fucking episode. The Razor Blade Man was set to slash victims with razors attached to his fingers. So it's Edward Scissorhands. No, it's fucking Scary Terry (laughs) from Rick and Morty. He's got the knives on his fingers. It was scary to I didn't even think of him. <laughs> I was like Edward Scissorhands. <laughs> what razor blade? Razor blade man. You've seen that one episode uh with Shane and Ryan, right? When they were still doing the unsolved. Which episode? When they were going over the Axemen and he was and Shane was like, What if he had a little sidekick? Oh, razor yeah. boy. Yeah. <laughs> That's what that made me think of <laughs> immediately. I was like, it's Razor Boy. He's real. Somebody call Shane. <laughs> so he's associated with Razor Man, which will come up probably next episode because now I'm interested. <laughs> but let's go on to the evidence. The problem with this cryptid is that I could not find any like stories of encounters. Even though I found things saying that there were Mm-hmm. I run into that with my research online. before. Usually if I dig deep enough, I could. I can find it, but I couldn't this time. But researcher Mike Dash quotes George Zanotti, a noted authority in, uh, on the policing of Prague during the war years, that, in quote, in 1940 to 1942, none of our police uh, precincts in Prague informed us in their daily reports of the existence of a spring man. This does not mean that such rumors might not have circulated. However, it would have been impossible to include them in reports without tangible proof. So he's basically like, I mean, if you want to believe it, you can, but we don't have anything for it. He's just saying, like, like there's there's no reports of it, but that doesn't mean it didn't happen. But also, if it did happen, it would only be in a report if there was, like, some actual proof. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, in 2015, okay, this one's, I don't know what the fuck was going on with this one. <laughs> It's a doozy. In 2015, a social activist claimed the identity of Perak had fronted a guerrilla media campaign to commemorate the former site of the Leti concentration camp. I'm sorry, what? I have no fucking, I have no fucking idea. <laughs> That's all the information I can find on it. 
That's all it said? Yeah. That's it? Even whenever I Googled it myself, like, but they wanted to commemorate the former site of a concentration camp, so. Okay, well. It's not bad, but, like, I don't know why they claimed the identity of the pedoc, but whatever. Peter, and I'm gonna fuck this name up, Peter Janacek offered a comprehensive survey of the Parak phenomenon. Um, he traced the history from the figure of the spring-heeled Jack in England during the early 19th century through Czech folklore before, during, and after World War II, and then into pop culture through a succession of speculative fiction novels, comic, um, with, like, comic books and, like, other works of fiction. Uh, some of the things that it has been theorized to be was um, a human prankster, an extraterrestrial, <coughs> a demon sent to punish the wicked, a ghost of a soldier seeking revenge against the Nazis, a mere hoax slash rumor, um, a man taking the law into his own hands. A vigilante. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, a supernatural being, or, this is my favorite one, this is my favorite one, an angel sent to cleanse the earth of Nazis. You know, knowing what biblical angels are supposed to look like, that's not that far-fetched. Well, it is, because this guy did not have 8,000 eyes. I know, but he (laughs) sounds like he's really fucked up looking. And before the Renaissance. I mean, to me, he just sounds like he's wearing a scuba suit without flippers. <laughs> That's true. That's all it sounds like to me. <laughs> um, I think the demon one is my favorite. So there or the vigilante. Imagine just this dude being like, you know what will really fuck up the Nazis? Put little springs on the bottom of his <laughs> shoes. Those moonwalkers from the from the early two thousands. Oh, I have, I have n- they were the stupidest shoes, and they were all over I TV. Them. I wanted them so bad. I still want them. I bet those are the most comfortable shoes you wear around the house. I know. I wanted one, but my parents were like, "No, you'll hurt yourself," and I probably would have. So that was a good decision <laughs> on their part. My parents were like, "No, you have a pogo stick." <laughs> <laughs> like we could, like we weren't about to kill ourselves on that shit. <laughs> My parents wouldn't get me a pogo stick for the same reason as the moon shoes. They were like, you're going to hurt yourself, and they were right. I got on a pogo stick once at my friend Casey's house, and I immediately fell off and hit my head on a car. Dude, pogo sticks are hard to... I could never get a handle on it. Mm-mm. I could probably do one little good hop, but, like, my brother, <laughs> he could jump it, like, fucking six feet in the air, I swear. Jesus. Yeah. But he's he's also, like, broke his foot, like, four times, so. <laughs> Not on the pogo stick, but. I love the imagery that followed that was just, like, he's also broke his foot, like, four times with no other context, so I was, like, on the pogo stick. One time he was riding his bike down a hill, and he, he like, hit a tree. <laughs> How do you hit a tree? Don't you see that? Did he not see you it? You can lose control of a bike. That's true, but. Like, that happens a lot. And sometimes you're going too fast. Mm. You can't move out of the way. and You lose control if you go too fast down a hill. And that's what happened. He hit the tree. <laughs> I think he, like, broke his, like, wrist or something from that. 
<laughs> yeah, watch. Yeah. My uh, mom had a moped, and she would drive it to work when we, this was before she was working in the city over, and our house was, like, down the street from the main hospital, so it wasn't that far of a drive. The same week that she got the moped, she had, like, four emergency trauma cases come in from people on motorcycles getting hit. And my, it scared the shit out of my yeah, mom. And it has just been sitting in our garage rotting. Yeah, mopeds aren't really safe to drive unless you're in, like, a tiny town. Yeah. This was, like, right when the boom was kicking in. So, like, there was a shit ton of people in a so town that was not made like, to build it. And like, it was, like... Town, like like Sweeney size. Yeah. Like there's one main road. <laughs> there's a stoplight. There's not even like a highway nearby. You have to drive like an hour to the closest highway. <laughs> um so like La Mesa. Yeah. So there so there are media depictions of it of the Pidoc. Uh there's a 14 minute 1946 Czechoslovak animated cartoon of the Pidoc. So he was marketed as the chimney sweep in this film. It was created by Czech animator uh, Jiri Ternko and filmmaker Jiri Bedeka. Uh, it portrayed Perak as a heroic and mischievous black clad chimney sweep with a mask fashioned out of a sock. Out of a sock? Yeah. That's a downgrade from what I had in my head. I always imagine, like, like a gas mask or something. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, I mean, as a chimney sweep, he can't really afford a gas mask. He was capable of performing fantastic leaps in this film due to having couch springs attached to his shoes. Yeah, that's where the spring man came from. No, they, the spring man was actually before. Like, he got yeah, well, before I, I, I picked that up, but I'm like, ah, um, the history, his true form. So he, he taunted German army sentries, the Gestapo, and a Hitler-esque Nazi collaborator before escaping in a surrealistic slapstick chase across the darkened city, freeing several incarcerated citizens of Prague. And in 2016, Marek Berger created an animated film called Perak, uh, The Shadow Over Prague. The film won two awards at the International Student Film Festival in Opava. Congrats um, to them. For best animated film and absolute best film. Absolute best film. Absolutely. I want to see this film now. I, I didn't even look for it. So. <laughs> um, I'll find it later. And in 1948, the figure was used in a newspaper propaganda comic. And since 2011, the Vosto Fire Theater in Prague uh, has been presenting an action historical fiction called Perak. Um, There's a really long name that I definitely don't know how to pronounce because I do not speak Czech. The plot is placed in the real historical context of the period from the arrival of... uh, Reich protector Reinhard Heydrich to Prague, all the way up until his assassination. And that is literally all I have on Pidoc, but, like, I like him. I like him. He sounds fun. Mr. Springman. 
I mean, if there's animated films, if he's animated films of him, I assume. Well, I guess I well, I won't make assumptions because that's the worst thing you can do. But I can't help but wonder if it's like woven into Czech culture, I especially don't think around Prague. So, I didn't. We didn't see anything about it while we were in Prague. That's why I'm like, hmm, I don't but. think it's very well known because I was actually reading things where like it's a thing that like older people knew of who lived through World War Two, mm. but it's not something that they like tell their kids or anything. It's not kind of like, like Krampus. Like they don't really, unless you're like in the areas that they have the festival, they don't really like do that i didn't even know what what krampus was until the movie came out in like what 2014 movie 2015 one of those one of those years i think we were in high school i don't know i hated that movie but i remember it came out and i was like the fuck is krampus it came out in 2016 2016 uh the golden year but i was like the fuck is krampus and my dad of all people was the one who knew what krampus was and he was like it's the evil version of santa and i was like ah A and then i never thought about it, it is, again but they call him krampus krampus which i fucking hate i will like that's the one thing i definitely do correct people on all the time cuz they're <laughs> like it's krampus i'm like that sounds fucking stupid like <laughs> krampus is when you have your period on christmas <laughs> yeah there was like there was, like, this cheap movie I watched once with, like, Krumpus was, it was, like, a bunch of shorts, and Krumpus was in one of them, mm-hmm. and it was really weird, like, it was this really shitty family, like, the kids were assholes and shit. Krumpus attacked their house, and he straight up killed these people. Honestly, it wasn't that bad, like, I, I enjoyed that short. <laughs> Honestly, but, like, I don't even know the, the mythology around Krampus. Well, I mean, he's just a weird goat guy that follows yeah. Santa around, and he whips children. Yeah, that's a, that's all I. Them. Yeah, that's all I knew. Oh, I didn't know about the. Well, I knew about the whipping, but the one that I understood the most was I was like, he takes them. Yeah, not in all forms, but like a lot of times he does take. Yeah, them. like he snatches the bad kids. Um, and I I don't know if he gives them bad. <laughs> I don't think we'll we'll get really into that when we get closer. That far because like. I mean, he was a story meant to scare children into being nice. Because mm-hmm. apparently telling them they're not going to get presents does not work on German or Austrian children. Um, they're but a little more them. hardcore than that. So you got to tell them that they're actually going to be enslaved. <laughs> for them to listen. Which I guess it works because, I mean. They're well-behaved kids. A lot of, I mean, yeah. Yeah. They're more well-behaved than a lot of American children I've seen. Honestly, I wouldn't judge you on, like, a lot of that, because just because a kid's not acting out in public doesn't mean it's a good kid. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah, like, that's that's a fair assumption. So. I'm just saying, like, with the, the idea of, like, scare the shit out of them instead yeah. of being like, no reward for you. I mean, they would do that with, like, the boogeyman and stuff here a lot, too. I think it was pretty... Have you seen that one TikTok with, like, the babysitter? He was like, I'm gonna call the boogeyman. She has, like, a fake rotary phone that, like, jingles. And you can hear the little kid in the background, like, screaming no. And she's like, I want Santa. And she's like, I'm not calling Santa. I'm calling the boogeyman. And she, like, clink, 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 and she's like, yes, take her toes and her eyes, and you just hear the kid lose it in the background. 
That babysitter probably lost his job. <laughs> and it was the funniest TikTok I'd seen in a while. And it was solely because of the noise that the kid made and, like, the sound of the jingling of the, the fake rotary phone. Um, do you remember the Disney movie, Don't Look Under the Bed? Mm-hmm. That was horrifying. It was. That shit still freaks me out. Like, they, why did they do that? You know what movie I still can't watch even as an adult because it grosses me the fuck out every single time? Huh. Can of Worms. Um, yeah. Do you ever watch that? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Hated that one. You know what movie they that's underrated? The movie that I think is most underrated, but also, like, still kind of gross. Not as bad as Can of Worms. I can't watch Can of Worms. Because it's just disgusting to me. However, I watched uh, How to Eat Fried Worms way too often. And I have no clue why my fascination... It was specifically was the scene with the worm in the microwave. Wait, so why does Can of Worms weird you out? Isn't that... I love that movie, Can of Worms. Yeah, I can't stand it. It grosses me out. But How to Eat Fried Worms doesn't? No. They literally eat the worms like spaghetti in that movie. <laughs> I know. But aliens I free, are what gross you out. It wasn't not the, the aliens. Munch, not the children munching on worms. Like it's, it's not their the last aliens meal that freak me out. Like if they were on death row and they at, and the, the adults asked the children, what do you want your last meal to be? They'd be like, a can of fucking worms. And put that shit in a microwave for me. Like... <laughs> The part of can of worms that free, that that I can't watch it, that like that kills it for me isn't even the aliens. It's one specific alien. It's the one that falls on his computer, and is like slimy the and he has one? yeah, and he like the goop falling onto like the cheeseburger and shit. Like that was the part that I like I couldn't do it, and I spend the rest of the movie but thinking those kids about that. A fucking worm in a sandwich wasn't grossing you out. I think what it, the thing about is it was that, that I remember seeing, because at the very beginning, they have, like, in small text underneath the, the title that no worms were actually harmed in the making of this film. So, so I was like, oh, it's fake. <laughs> so was the alien. I know that the alien was fake, but <laughs> it was so much more gross and visceral than the worms, because the worms, I'm like, it's just gelatin. munch on some fucking worms? But it's not worms. It's gelatin. It's the effect. And the aliens, the goop, like, falls down, and it's, like, sizzling, and it has a noise, and it has a texture, and it's got, like, chunks so in it. I was like, oh. how do you feel about the movie Flubber? I still haven't seen that. you never seen Flubber? Mm-mm. We had it on VHS whenever I was little. No. I didn't watch it. I just couldn't do it. I think also the sounds in Can of Worms kills it for me. Because you can hear, like, the gooping and the squishing, and I'm like... Oh my god, you can watch it for free. I just found it. (laughs) You can of worms? Yeah. It's on Disney+. Plus. No, it's not. It's on Hulu. It's on Hulu? They took it off of Disney. Oh, wait, no, it is. Oh my god, it's on, like, everything. I think that How to Eat Fried Worms movie is even grosser. (laughs) I don't really know anybody besides you that remembers that movie, though, which is wild to me. What, the fried worms thing? Yeah. Probably because they're so traumatized by it. <laughs> I can't explain how my brain works, honestly. I'm surprised I'm not tra- I am traumatized by it, actually. I hate worms. <laughs> I also 
Though, keep in mind, at the same time I was watching movies that a teenage, like, that a child definitely should not be watching. So my sense of, like, what is gross and what isn't gross was definitely warped. And what's fucked up and what isn't. Yeah, it's warped. Because even an adult would look at how to eat fried worms and be like, that is fucking disgusting. My dad watched it with me. He had no reaction. (laughs) You know what? Maybe he ate some fucking worms, too. (laughs) That shit is nasty. It is. I haven't watched it as an adult, so I probably would have a different opinion now. I'm but never gonna fucking. I remember watching it when I was little, and it was horrible. I it, tried I like, rewatching Can of Worms as an adult because I was like, I'm bigger than that now. I'm stronger movie. than that, and I'm like, I can't do it. That's my comfort film. That's your comfort film. Heather's is Can of Worms. Can of Worms. <laughs> my comfort films. Fucking love Can of Worms. I don't even know if I have a comfort film. Probably Clueless. Clueless, Clueless is a good one. All this kind of shit friend throughout, like, half of it. Yeah. I guess we should close this out. I guess so. So, okay, we went over the, the good of murders. And the, how do you say it? Pedoc. Pedoc. You looked it up on Google Translate earlier, and I still didn't hear it. So, the good of murders and Pedoc. Yep. What an episode. And for some reason, you don't think eating fried worms is gross, which... I didn't say I don't think that it's gross. I said that watching it didn't gross me out. It should. I would never actually eat one. I have a palate. I guess that's it. Yep. Thanks for watching. This has been Criminal. Slash Cryptid. Bye. Bye.